all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Owens, specialist at UMMC in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN. And today, Dr. Allie Brown and I are talking about The Voice. Not the radio show or the reality show, rather, but we're talking about your voice, hoarseness, voice changes, the natural progression of our voice, something that we're all very comfortable hearing but might have some serious questions about. Join us in Dr. John Swineford and Miss Josie Olson, who are specialists at uh, UMMC in otolaryngology, as we talk about the voice. Taking all your questions here at MPB Radio. Give us a call, 1-877-MPB-RING, or send us an email to women at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thanks for listening. Um, This is Southern Remedy for Women, and I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Owens. I'm a specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC, and I am joined in the studio today with my right-hand woman, Dr. Allie Brown, who's a surgical and anatomic pathologist at UMMC, friend extraordinaire, superstar radio host, and all other things. Truth. Um, (laughs) Very accurate. Thank you. Indeed. And today, um, we are talking about our voice. Our voices. We are talking about our voices. Um, we are joined today um, by Dr. John Schweinfurth, who is an otolaryngologist. That one was for Karen, Karen Brown, an otolaryngologist. Yeah, that's Karen's favorite word. Um, or an ENT specialist is another way to say it um, at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we also have Miss Josie Alston who is a speech pathologist. One of my very good friends is a speech pathologist. Um, And so we are in today answering all of your questions about your voice. So if you have any questions, okay, so for all the people who are out there listening, my singers, people who um, aspire to broadcasting or... Cartoons. People who use voices. their voice a lot, you know. People who use who, your, exactly. Karen use Browns of the world. And, uh, exactly. Those people singing who in the choir on, who depend on their voices, or if you're having difficulties or troubles with your voice, um, this is a great time. You know, ENTs are sometimes very difficult to get in to see or to uh, get an opinion from, and so you have two experts sitting in with us today. Um, If you'd like to, please give us a call. That number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. And again, for those of you who might not have the opportunity to get to a phone, you can drop us a line at women at mpbonline.org. So good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. We're so glad you're here. This is this is awesome. So um, this is something that I, I don't know, have we ever, I think we've talked about maybe hoarseness or um, some other things as they relate to allergies or um, I think sometimes when we have our other ENT friends in, we may talk about hoarseness as it pertains to um, concerns for um, whether cancer. it's mm-hmm. cancer or lesions. Um, in the throat, but this is like the first time that we've had an opportunity to just kind of dedicate an entire show to issues related to the voice. So I'm really excited about what we're going to do today. So um, to we'll start with you, Josie. Tell us okay. a little bit about yourself. So I am originally from Nashville, Tennessee, which is a big voice city. Indeed. <laughs> and um, I have been a speech language pathologist for about 21 years. And, and she looks like she's 25, so she oh, must have started really young. <laughs> um, but voice has pretty much been my life through most of my career. Um, I started probably two months out of grad school. I started at the Vanderbilt Voice Center, learned a great deal 
through that experience, and that's actually where I met Dr. Schweinfurth. He is a laryngologist, so he's fellowship trained, and so we ran into each other. What year was that? Uh, 1998. 1998, he did his fellowship, and I was there. And um, Thanks for dating us. I was yeah, just going to say, wow, we're doing the math now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, through the years, I've had many different experiences working with a lot of different um, diagnoses in the world of speech-language pathology, but voice has always been the one that I come back to. And so speech pathologists actually serve in a variety of capacities. They do. Um, and so there are lots of different reasons why people might um, seek the services Absolutely. or need a speech pathologist. Um, so I'm actually the chief of the Division of Speech-Language Pathology at UMC, and we have 19 speech-language pathologists. We have 14 different specialties, anything from cleft palate, head and neck cancer, um, child speech and language development, pediatric feeding, the list goes on and on. Then you have all of the, um, you know, the NICU babies, they have specialists. So it's a very diverse field, and certainly we don't have all of them here at UMC, but I think we cover a lot of the very specialized different parts of that. And so uh, voice is just one aspect of that. Awesome. And Dr. Swineforth, good morning. Good morning. And tell us about yourself, even though we know that 20 years ago when you guys were babies, you got that you got a chance. The accelerated program. (laughs) Yeah, you guys were the the superstar four-year-olds that were killing it at Vanderbilt. That's right. So I'm originally from West Texas, but um, I did, uh, as anyone who's in the medical field knows, you move around a lot with uh, education and training. And I ended up at Nashville at Vanderbilt uh, to do my fellowship in uh, professional voice. And that's where I did meet uh, Josie and we worked together for almost a couple of years and then uh, I moved on um, for the rest of my career but um, but yeah that was a, a important experience as far as um, learning about professional voice and obviously we did take care of professional singers and that, that type of thing yeah and so she said that you're a laryngologist so um, what's your what's your practice like because a lot of people might be familiar with ENT in general but may not understand exactly what a laryngologist specifically would do so who are the people you see so um, obviously I take care of problems related to voice um, and I would say my practice probably boils down to about a third voice, a third swallowing, and a third airway. So airway is things to do with breathing that aren't necessarily related to lungs. As you know, the the windpipe is about half the, the airway volume-wise, and so it's kind of important that it be working properly if you're going to breathe. Um, but a lot of people aren't aware of that, so it's kind of one of those things I find out about um, over a long period of time. All right, so we're really glad to have you guys here this morning. Again, for our listening audience, we'd love for you to give us a call, share questions, comments, any experiences. If you have any questions about your voice, some things that you've been trying, um, if you have aspirations for your voice and think that they may be able to give you uh, some helpful hints, you give us a call. That number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 um, And again, you can send us an email to women at mpbonline.com. Org. Um, so one of the things that I was kind of thinking about when um, we were preparing for this particular um, this particular show is just like some of the things that people might believe about their voice that um, may or may not be true. And I say that because as an, as an OBGYN, we hear a lot of wives' tales. And even on this show, we've taken um, shows and talked about home remedies and other things that people have heard. And we've done some myth busters and things like that. So what kind of things um, stick out when you think about what you may see or hear in a, in a clinical setting um, about things that people might think about their voice that may be not true, like myths, voice okay. myths? So a lot of people will come in, and we see a lot of, um, I wouldn't call them necessarily professional singers, but they might be a worship leader at church, or um, they just enjoy singing in the church choir. We have a lot of um, graduate programs and undergraduate programs that have vocal performance majors, and so a lot of times singers will come in because they're struggling with the quality of their voice or the range of their voice. And they'll ask, they'll say, you know, I, I drink hot tea with lemon before 
I warm up my voice, um, or I found this spray, and I'm using it, but for whatever reason, my voice still continues to get worse. Um, They'll talk about the lozenges that they have. And one of the things that we do is a lot of education with our patients. Um, Like you said, there's a lot of myths out there about what is helpful to the voice. And pretty much if you're eating something or drinking something, what people don't realize is it never touches the vocal cords. Um, You just swallow it. And so feeling like you're sucking on a peppermint really helps you. It's not necessarily helping you at all. Sometimes they can be harmful, so they can be making reflux worse, um, which then affects the swelling of the vocal folds. Um, this, the hot tea one is probably the most frequent one that I hear. Um, and I would say that that one is really, it's just a soothing factor from the warmness. Now, if, if it's not harming them and they feel like it helps them, then of course we say, well, continue to do that if you feel like it helps you. Um, but try these other things as well, like massaging your throat or the outside of your neck stretching those muscles. Singers don't realize that if they were just born with this gift of singing and they've never really kind of been trained in singing, I try to explain it to them they're like a vocal athlete. And they need to stretch their muscles, warm up their muscles, instead of just going to church and thinking this perfect song with perfect range is going to come out every time. Um, John, do you have anything to add to that? So... um uh, just to step back a second, a lot of people wonder, what's the difference between a singer who's a professional singer and just your average person walking down the street? So um, the vast majority of the difference is what I would call providence. And providence is a combination of luck and being in the right place at the right time, which you could say both were luck. But um, the the primary difference between us, a professional singer or someone that you think has an attractive voice and someone who can't really sing or carry a tune is actually the the anatomic shape of their throat, which sounds really boring and and um, uninteresting, but that's basically what it boils down to. And it's almost impossible to look at somebody and tell, but of course you can hear it because um, they have good resonance. And a resonance is a combination of how the sound bounces around inside your throat and uh, what frequencies are are amplified and what frequencies are attenuated, and that creates an attractive sound. And it's just Basically, it's just like looking at somebody and, and deciding whether you think they're attractive or not. And that, of course, some of it's in the beholder, uh, in the eye of the beholder, and some of it is objective. Uh, interestingly enough, in all the years that we've done uh, research on voice, there's never been a good objective measure of voice quality, which is hard to believe with all the computers and, and sophisticated measures we have. There is no such thing as a device that can listen to your voice and tell you whether it sounds good or not. So um, it's just like art, you know, it's in the, in the ear or the eye of the beholder. Um, so um, people generally who sing don't, it's not something that they learn. People do go to, 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 to you know, college and study voice, but that doesn't necessarily make them good singers. Usually good singers are born, and the problem, and the good thing and the bad thing about that is because they're born with the voice, they really don't know what to do to maintain it or to develop it or to continue it. Unlike a professional athlete who trains and works and diets and and all those kind of things, so by the same token, you're more likely to fall into problems that you don't understand because you don't understand why you sound good in the first place. So it's uh, it's difficult for people to understand why they're having problems. It's almost kind of like um, I had it and now I don't have it, and I'm not sure what 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 to say about that. Well, Dr. Swineforth, um, we are getting ready to take our first break. I'm going to take a moment to compose myself as you have now officially dashed my hopes of (laughs) becoming a successful recording artist up against the wall Um, because now now all of a sudden I'm realizing that that beautiful voice that I hear in the shower is probably just my delusion instead. But anyway, um, guys, we're talking about your voice, questions, comments, um, experiences. Please give us a call. We'll be right back after the break.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And we're back. This is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about health issues and concerns from a woman's perspective. Today, we are joined in the studio with Dr. John Schweinfurth and Ms. Josie Alston, who are uh, representing the Department of Otolaryngology at UMMC, and we are talking about the voice. So we have a speech pathologist and a laryngologist, and we're talking about all things voice. Um, and so for those of you who are just tuning in, if you want to give us a call, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring or if you don't have access to a phone and you do have access to a computer, you can drop us an email to women at mpbonline.org. So um, on the last segment, we kind of t- started to touch on some of the myths. And in addition to having my, um, my recording contract revoked by Dr. Schweinfurth, um, as he just informed me that I probably will not end up being Beyonce, contrary to my, my belief. I was working on that on a daily basis. Um, we talked a little bit about some of the myths or things that people may believe um, were true about ways to help their voice. And we learned that things that we consume orally don't actually get to our vocal cords. Um, but there are some things that people can do to help strengthen, augment, and that can also produce changes Absolutely. in their voices. Absolutely. And so what kind of what kind of things might might be in that on that list well one of the best things that you can possibly do for your voice is drink a lot of water and it's so simple but um water actually hydrates the vocal folds systemically so um, a lot of times people will come in and say they have a lot of drainage or throat clearing problems um and that phonotrauma that they do with constant throat clearing can actually make the vocal cords swell and cause or create some of their hoarseness. So the first thing we'll do is say, well, how much water do you drink? And they'll say, oh, I don't know, not enough. I mean, that's usually the that's answer everybody, that I get, right? yeah. not enough. Right? It's really hard to drink enough water. That's it is. True. I mean, you have to be, I think for the most part, until it becomes a way of life, you have to be very deliberate and intentional about it. Yeah. Well, Mississippi is obviously a very hot, warm climate, and so indoors is usually over air conditioned. One of the things that air air conditioning does is remove the humidity from the air. So the drier the air gets, the more it takes water out of your system, obviously. And every time you breathe out, you lose water. Um, Thinking about the vocal cords, when you look at the vocal cords, um, you don't see much, but when you put them under what's called a strobe light, which is what you see at the the disco, um, you can freeze the motion of the vocal cords, and we find out that they vibrate really fast. For a man, they vibrate 150 times a second. For a woman, they vibrate up to 350 times a second. So what that should um, put in your mind is the concept of friction, because you have these two things that are rubbing together really quickly. Now, if they're not lubricated, the first thing that happens, they're going to start to heat up. And the first thing they do when they heat up is to attract more blood, and blood causes swelling, and it conks out. So um, friction is what you're trying to fight, really, with the water. And the the voice creates its own lubricant called mucus, and it, it happens right above the vocal cords. And the more water you have, I like, it, like to think about it like this. When I was a kid, we used to have these packets of Kool-Aid, and you would take this packet and you would dissolve it in, in a big jug of water, and that would give you Kool-Aid. Well, think about that same packet of Kool-Aid and install, instead of... Dissolving in a big jug of water, you dissolve it in a teaspoon of water. What do you have? Sludge. So that's what happens. But yummy with sludge. That's right. <laughs> right. Well, well, it has to be the sweetened Kool-Aid. Like, you can't just be the regular old bitter, only flavored. Yeah, well, this is old-timey Kool-Aid we're talking about. So anyways, now, the amount of protein in the mucus needs the same amount of water as that Kool-Aid to dissolve and to get nice and thin so it lubricates. And if you don't give it that water, you end up with sludge. And that's instead of instead of lubricating your vocal cords it's irritating them and so you've got a big problem not only do you not have lubrication but you've got to cough all that stuff up and so people want to dry up their secretions you want to do the opposite you want to thin them out 
And as you mentioned before, consuming something does not lubricate it. It's something that you have to do from within more so. And also right now with as many sodas and tea, especially here in Mississippi, we love our sweet tea, right? Those all have caffeine in them. That pulls water out of your system. So you're actually dehydrating yourself more by choosing coffee, tea, Coke products, um, you know, also alcohol has drying effects on Stop the voice. It. I know. And that's why when we see our singers okay, up the there over. toasting with drinks, you get a little bit concerned. And sugar. So the worst thing you can drink would be sweet tea if you're a singer or a speaker. With vodka. Both the sugar and the caffeine and the tea are sucking you dry. And mm-hmm. so you leave yourself with these dry. Um, you can think about little prunes for vocal cords. And that's certainly not good if you're trying to be singing. Right. Throw a cigarette in there and you've really done the deal at ah, that point. No, there's done. something then, to touch on. And then follow it up with a cough drop or a fisherman's friend. Fisherman's friend. Now, I don't even know what that is. What's a fisherman's oh, friend? My, you don't know what it... Okay, no, so that that is going to be a conversation for um, after we wrap. I'll have to... I will, it's I will, a menthol. I will, have to, orient, I will a, have to orient you to the fisherman's friend. It's menthol so strong you can clean your deck with it. Just uh, put some in water <laughs> oh, and get a scrub brush awful. and yeah. clean the mold off your deck with it. I, I was I was agonizing once um, with a cold, and um, I... Uh, had a colleague offer me a fisherman's friend and that was the first and the last time that I ever had one. But yeah, it was the strongest like cough drop I'd ever had in my life. It was amazing. Poor fisherman. (laughs) Well, speaking of fish, we're going to go down to the coast in Biloxi and hear from Craig, who's on our phone lines. Good morning, Craig. Uh, Good morning. What's Uh, your question? uh, I was wondering, uh, can glass be broken by the voice? I I see it on TV. And how come a woman's voice is higher pitched? Great questions, Craig. Absolutely. Uh, Josie's looking at me. All right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the, the, the whole glass, it's not glass, it's crystal. Um, and crystal has a resonant frequency. Believe it or not, every solid object on the planet has a resonant frequency. I don't know if you've ever watched, but you can get on YouTube and watch videos of bridges getting their resonant frequency met, and they'll start to vibrate, and they'll crumble into a pile. So, so yeah, there is a resonant frequency for the really thin crystal. That crystal is so thin that you could squeeze it and break it. So yes, if you find the resonant frequency, it will vibrate and crack. It's just a parlor trick that, uh, that singers can do. Um, but uh, the reason why women have a higher-pitched voice is because the size and shape of their larynx or their voice box their vocal cords are shorter if any of you plays string instruments you know that the the tighter the string or the the closer you fret it the higher the pitch and this is true the vocal cords are a stringed instrument just like a piano or a guitar or a violin and they fret the exact same way awesome well thanks so much craig for your question have a great weekend And next, we're going to go uh, to Roger, who's calling us from Vicksburg. Good morning, Roger. Well, good morning. I, I want to compliment your your uh, your guests and uh, Thank you. especially Dr. Schweinfurth because the explanation that he gave a few uh, minutes ago is exactly on point with a problem that I've had for years, and I've been to uh, Dr. Schweinfurth Clinic, but at that point it was a nasal problem or something but i have been clearing my throat for years uh i'm a uh, well i'm a wannabe singer and uh me too roger no worries yeah (laughs) and never and never had you know the well i've I've sung a lot but I've, i've always had this trouble and it's worse now that i'm not singing as much uh by the way join the mississippi chorus uh yay congratulations Okay, uh, but thank you, Dr. Swinefirth, and you don't remember Roger Clapp, but I, but anyway, uh, you poked around in my nasal passages before, but I've never heard such a wonderfully clear, instructive, informative explanation of the uh, phenomena of throat clearing, uh, and I just appreciate it. I hope that the uh, listeners will remember it, and I certainly will. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for your call, Roger. I hope I didn't hurt you too bad. But anyways, hope you're doing well. (laughs) Have a great weekend, Roger. And next we're going to go to Karen, who's calling us from Starkville. Good morning, Karen. Hi. Hi. What's your question? Um, Actually, not so much a question as it is a statement. 
um, I just wanted to let you guys know there's something that all people who are using an, a corticosteroid inhaler should be aware of. If you do not gargle afterwards, it is highly likely that you're at some point going to develop thrush, which is something that babies usually get. It happened to me a few years back. I lost my voice for pretty much six weeks. I had zero voice, and I just thought that was something that should be mentioned. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing. So, Karen, you're, you're absolutely right. That's one of the big risk factors of people that have asthma or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, also called emphysema or COPD, that use steroid inhalers if you don't rinse that um, stuff off the, the vocal cords. It's hard to rinse them off the vocal cords, but anywhere you can get yeast anywhere in your upper respiratory tract from that steroid sitting there. Basically, it's not the steroid that's hurting you necessarily. It's just causing you to have a local decrease in your immune response, and that stops you from being able to fight off the yeast who naturally want to grow. Yeast are everywhere in your, in your body, and they will grow anytime you, you outcompete the bacteria that live uh, next to them. So yeast is always a problem. Um, and that's uh, something that has to be treated with medicine. There's nothing else that will make it better. And if you have somebody that keeps getting hoarser and using more steroids, it, it's a vicious cycle. So you're absolutely right. Anybody who's, uh, who's taken an inhaled steroid needs to be aware of that. And if you have voice problems, you should, should have that checked out. Absolutely. And the good news is, is that once you do get the proper diagnosis and do start taking the medication, your voice can have a very quick turnaround in just a couple days. What about the nasal steroids, these nose sprays? Same thing? So um, it's a good idea if you use nasal steroids to be using a nasal saline spray anyways. Everybody should use a nasal saline spray. Uh, generally what we tell you is to use the nasal saline spray first, though, and then use the nasal steroids. Um, but a lot of people, um, the way they do it is they'll use their steroids and then they'll brush their teeth. It's probably a good uh, follow-up as far as that goes. kind of gets everything cleaned off. Great tip. Thanks, Karen. Absolutely. Um, so Karen said something that really um, kind of sparked my interest she talked about losing her voice so is that really a thing i've never had an experience where i've actually lost my voice but you know people say that a lot and there are lots of different reasons why that can happen so talk to us a little bit about the people who quote lose their voice lose their voices so the most common thing that happens is people abuse their voice, not being aware of it, and it swells up and it stops working, as we talked about earlier. So everybody's had this situation where they'll go to the football game or the baseball game where their little kid is getting their first uh, you know, goal, and you stand up and start screaming, and the next day you have no voice, and you're like, what happened? Two things generally happen. One is it's just simple swelling. You overdid it. Your voice um, swelled up, and the vocal cords don't vibrate when they're swollen and they conked out. The, the uh, more serious, which is not, not, um, not hurtful serious, but the more serious condition is that you basically break a blood vessel on the top of your vocal cord and it bleeds into the vocal cord and that makes it swell up also. Um, we call it a vocal hemorrhage, just like you can get a, you know, a bruise or a, or break a blood vessel when you're straining. And, and most people are never aware of this, that it happened. They just lose their voice for a few days and it eventually gets better. But if you're screaming a lot, if you're a coach, if you're a, a um, you know, construction worker, a teacher, people that, that have to talk, you know, um, or if you have a lot of small children, God forbid that you should be yelling at them. But um, things like that do happen and, and people be unaware of the, the abuse or trauma that they put their voice through. Yeah, that, that's an interesting comment. The, the thought of our concept, I guess, is more appropriate. Just that the idea of trauma to your voice and, and that it's actually a sign of traumatic injury and the way that the body is kind of going through the process to try to heal itself or uh, the result of that trauma right. um, being what contributes to that. But when you said coaches screaming, it made me think of like my former life as an athlete because I know that there were plenty of opportunities to have that experience. Um, we're going to keep, uh, we still have another caller on the line, so we're going to go to Myrna, who's giving us a call from Foley, Alabama. Good morning, Myrna. Good morning. Thank you. I have a couple of questions. One, a follow-up from that last conversation. Um, I'm a professional singer and um, just curious as to when when you are hoarse, what types of treatments or what what can you do other than be quiet? Um, uh, do they recommend 
um, for when you when you have taken your voice a little bit too far over the needle. That's question one. The second is I work with performing artists with disabilities, um, and um, specifically, I'm thinking of one particular artist who is a quadriplegic, um, and he's a singer, and um, has a wonderful voice. Uh, but I'm curious, and this is a naive question: if he's paralyzed, then how is it that his he has the lung capacity, if you will, in order to sing? Then my next question with that is, how can I get him and encourage him to exercise and what to exercise so that he can project even more? Um, Myrna, everybody's looking at me. So um, (laughs) the first part of your question is um, a common one. Um, So in general, the indications for seeking treatment or or evaluation by a physician is if you've had a, a persistent voice problem for two weeks or longer so. If it's been two weeks since your voice is normal, it's it's probably time to see a, a doctor. And the other thing about your question is, is if you have persistent or recurrent hoarseness. In other words, every time you sing, you're hoarse for a day, or or every time you have a professional speaking engagement, you're hoarse for a day. That can boil down to one of two things. One is you have an anatomic problem. In other words, your vocal cords are in, have a persistent problem that needs to be checked out because they have a uh, you know, it's just like if your car runs into the same problem every time you drive it uh, on a trip. Uh, the other possibility is that you have a technique issue, which means you use too much muscle tension when you're trying to sing. Uh, people commonly do this when they're trying to use a higher range than what they're capable of, or if they're trying to uh, use a longer sustain, or if they don't have enough breast support. And these are things that uh, that Josie can talk to you about uh, as a speech pathologist. The second part of your question about the quadriplegic, you're absolutely right. Quadriplegics do have a significantly decreased lung volume, and lung volume or vital capacity, the amount of air you can carry hold in your lungs, is extremely important to voice. Um, as far as uh, exercising that, um, you, uh, I guess the obvious answer would be to exercise the lung capacity you can use. Uh, there are there are devices you can use to help you inhale and take deeper volumes, and also there are other breath support exercises you can use. Um, I'm not an expert on those. That would be more of a lung doctor question, but I do know they exist, and I do know people do them. But that's a very challenging situation that you present. Uh, yes, he has an amazing voice. Um, and so um, I just, as a, I mean, yes, obviously the amplification of the microphones help, but I just like for him to be able to project more and have more control. Um, as, as a performer, that's what I, de- you know, performance coach, that's what I desire for him. Um, but again, in my naivete, I don't know how far to push. <laughs> so anyway, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Sure thank you so much for your call, Myrna. All right, and it's, you hear the sound. It's time for us to take our next break. So we'll be coming up on, I think, our final segment of the hour. Um, we are talking about the voice, and we will be right back after this break. I'm Dr. Michelle Owens, and this is Southern Remedy for Women. Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. Russia's military intelligence agency, the GRU, is a key player in all major Russian cyber and military operations, including interference in the U.S. presidential election. The GRU may not be a household name among sort of the average American news consumer, but when it comes to the U.S. intelligence community, it is very well understood. I'm Ari Shapiro. What is the GRU? This afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, women at mpbonline.org. 
Thanks for listening. We are back at Southern Remedy for Women. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Owens. I'm here in the studio with Dr. Allie Brown, and I'm here with Dr. John Schweinfurth, who is an otolaryngologist, specifically a laryngologist, actually, um, at UMMC, and his right-hand woman and chief of the speech pathology group over there um, is Josie Alston. And we have been talking today about the voice. Um, so if you would like to use your voice on the phone to ask a question about the voice, we are taking, the, the doctors are in and we are taking your calls. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 If you don't have access to a phone, please drop us an email, women at mpbonline.org. And our phone lines, we still have some phone lines open, so we would love to take your calls or your questions. Um so one of the things that I, um, I've, I've had an, a voice issue before, um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit at, during the break, and so I wanted to kind of bring it out. So for me, the issue was I started being hoarse, not really like hoarse, like disc- there was no discomfort, but I realized that I sounded different. Like my voice was, it, it seemed like it was um, Sexier. deeper. Uh, no, it's, it, is that possible? More is, that even possi- <laughs> is that possible? Um, no, no, but it was, Barely. it was deeper. And, um, there were times when I felt like my voice was what people would typically describe as your voice cracking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it wasn't uncomfortable. And, um, the next thing was that I, we've been talking about my, my, my joy and love of music and singing and I couldn't sing anymore. And so I, was after a while I got to a point and then I started like breaking out in hives. So now I was like, okay, something's really happening. Um, and so ultimately I found out that it was about allergies and allergic reaction. And so that was kind of one of the, and hoarseness was the thing that kind of led me into down this road in the first place. Cause that was the thing that I recognized the most. Um, but we are talking about, um, hoarseness and when to be concerned. Right. Um, and you've talked about reflux is one of the things that can contribute to that. Um, is there really a natural course of our voice? Like, is there a, a way that our voice matures over time that's expecting or that's expected or how, how does that work? So one thing you touched on in your own personal story was allergies. And here in Jackson, Mississippi, we are number one in allergies in the country. Um, And usually early spring is when it starts. We start getting the patients coming in. And a lot of the hoarseness complaints are related to allergy type symptoms. So working with Dr. Schweinfurth and figuring out the right sort of medications to be on for that, the hydration to be on for that. And sometimes if it's really severe, we talk about maybe you need to live somewhere else. (laughs) Like the beach. (laughs) Right. So that's definitely one thing that can contribute to that. But one thing that people don't realize is that as they are aging, the voice is constantly changing. Um, And we have a really high demographic of patients that come in that are usually in their maybe um, 50, 60 age range, and they feel like their voice is just not sounding the same as it did. They can't sing the same as they did before. They're struggling in their church choir. And we do a lot of education about how the voice changes as you age. In women, their voice will typically get deeper as they get a little older, and in men, the voice gets a little higher as they get older. But one of the common things that we're looking for when we're scoping these patients is are the vocal cords losing some of their mass? Just like your biceps when you're 70 years old, they're not as big and bulky as they were when you were 21 years old. That people forget that the vocal cords are also muscles. They're very small muscles, but they're muscles. And so they change, they atrophy over time. Um, and so if, in layman's terms, if we're looking at your vocal cords, they start to become a little bit bowed. And they're not contacting in the middle as well. And so what will perceive that in the voice is uh, raspiness or breathiness or weakness Um, They'll complain about vocal fatigue. They wear out by the end of the day. 
um, or they just can't get through their um, teaching Sunday school class like they used to. And there are some treatments for that. Sometimes it's behavioral. Sometimes we teach them to use more airflow. Sometimes we teach them to use less tension. We kind of touched on vocal tension. Um, And then sometimes it is more of a surgical need where Dr. Schweinfurth will can inject um, Symmetra, which is like collagen, to plump up the cords and make them actually um, a little bit fuller than they were and give back some of that contact that they need when they're trying to reach those high ranges. Awesome. Well, our phone lines are totally full, so we're going to go straight to the phone lines, and we're going to start with uh, Robert, who's calling us from Jackson. Good morning, Robert. Yes, please. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm late getting in on the program, but I'm elderly. I'll be 80 in August, and uh, I've, I've had this sound in my voice forever and uh, in my adulthood and I thought it was post-nasal drip. How does that affect the vocal cords? Um, well, earlier in the program we were talking about mucus and how mu- if mucus is thick or if it's dry, it's going to yeah. interfere with the vibration of your vocal cords. So that could be what you're dealing with there. And a lot, again, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people want to dry it up. And really what you want to do is thin it out. Now, if you can prevent it, that's ideal. So if you know what you're allergic to or what you're reacting to and you can avoid it, that's great. Um, one of the things I recommend people do is run an air cleaner in their room at night because that's where they spend most of their time. Um, well, let me answer this. I have um, sleep apnea. Would that be affecting it anyway? Um, do you have the humidifier attachment yes. for your sleep apnea? Yes, I do all of that. Um, it, you know, obviously it's, it's not the ideal situation, but if you have the humidifier and you sleep better, that should at least offset some of the problems related to the, the use of CPAP. Okay. One thing I'm, I'm trying to do is put a little bit of citrus, either lime or lemon, in the glasses of water that I drink during the day. Does that help or should it help? Uh, it just depends on how much. I mean, a hint is great. If it's uh, the majority of the beverage, it might be too much. Um, oh, oh, yeah. But as long as you back it up with plenty of water, go go right ahead. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. All sure right, thing. Robert, thanks so much for your call. Have a great weekend, okay. and good luck to you. Uh, bye-bye. All right, we're going to go on to the phone line since we need to free some up. So we're going to go to Mikey, who's calling from Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Um, uh I've been a singer since before I can remember. Um, I played French horn for about 17 years on and off. Um, uh, The top of my lung was ripped out in an accident. I have a suggestion for Myrna, who called in trying to help the the gent who's a paraplegic, um, uh, because I've had to learn the hard way, um, uh, but it's worked for me, and it's inexpensive. And it, uh, harmonica, it may sound crazy, but it's something that, look, when you're disabled, you got to work with what you got. Somebody who is paraplegic can certainly play harmonica with one of the, uh, the neck brace things that you put harmonica in. The efficiency of harmonica is that you use both in and out breathing, which builds strength and resilience in the lungs. And that's really all I have to say. Thank you, Mikey. Thanks so much for that, Mikey. We really appreciate your call. Have a great weekend. And we are continuing on. We're going to go to Linda, who's calling us from Port Gibson. Good morning, Linda. Hi. Um, I'm I'm calling because of my voice. Can you hear me? We We can can hear you. Okay. And... uh, I don't know if my, my voice carry or not because sometimes if I'm, I'm talking to people, uh, it feels as though they're ignoring me or they'll just walk away in the middle of a sentence. Like I'm not, my voice is not carrying. But what, what can I do to? So one great and easy vocal exercise that I give people a lot of times when they feel like they need to project their voice a little bit more is something that it seems silly, 
but it really works. It's called a lip bubble, and you just take a deep breath in, and you've probably seen little kids do it, but you you can do what we call a vocal siren using airflow, and it sounds like this. And that's an easy thing. Do 50 of those every day. That's going to help decrease tension. It's going to make you use airflow. It's going to challenge your vocal range. And I think you'll find that it helps you get a little bit more resonance your voice, which will make it project and people be able to hear you better. Yeah. Um, when you get dentures, does that have an effect on your voice? Um, it really shouldn't. It should make your articulation better. Yeah. Well, that's all I have to say. Okay. Well, thanks for your call. Thanks, Linda. Happy bubbling. And we are going to go to Brooke, who's been patiently waiting on the road. Good morning, Brooke. Morning. Um, Sorry about that. Uh, Okay. Years and years and years ago, I was diagnosed with vocal cord dysfunction when I was in the Air Force. And I was wondering, is there anything that I need to watch out for, or is there any long-term effect, Um, and is there anything I can do for it, because I can't exercise at all now? Okay, so that's a great question. We do see vocal cord dysfunction. It has several names out there. Paradoxical vocal fold motion um, is another common one that you'll hear, but... VCD or vocal cord dysfunction, basically what's happening is the vocal cords are working in the opposite direction that they should be. And so when you try to breathe in, you feel like your vocal cords are closing and you can't get that air in. It's Mm -hmm. almost the opposite of asthma. Asthma, the patients feel like they can't get air out. But vocal cord dysfunction, they feel like they can't take that deep breath. We see it a lot in teenagers who are very competitive athletes um, and it will be misdiagnosed for quite some time. I've seen it triggered from reflux. I've seen it triggered from, um, I have had several military people that have had it that um, maybe had been around chemicals or an explosion. Um, And later they kind of have this reaction. It's basically a vocal cord spasm. And so the the easy treatment for that is called sniff breathing. If you do two or three quick sniffs and then just blow out regularly and breathe that way, if you're sniffing, you're getting air in, your cords are opening up. And um, it seems like the simplest fix for this problem, but it works. In 21 years, people with VCD, I've been giving them these sniff breathing exercises. I tell them to practice it. Um, before they're in crisis mode, then if they start to feel the air can't go in, they start doing sniff breathing and they take control over it and they don't have the panic or the anxiety associated with not feeling like they can't breathe and they are in charge. And so in 21 years, I say, come back if this doesn't help you and we'll try some other things. And it, it seems to really work for those patients. Do you have anything to add? Um, you know, if you're in an acute crisis and the sniff breathing is, is partially working, you can also try a fan or cold air. Sometimes we tell people to stick their head in the, in the fan in their car uh, with the air on high or stick your head in a refrigerator or a freezer. Sometimes that helps too. Just anything to try and break the spasm. Awesome. That helped me is um, I've never tried the sniff breathing. Um, Mainly, I don't breathe through my nose because it's hard for me to get a full breath through my nose. Um, so I've never tried that. I'm going to try that. But um, I've, the only thing that has really been able to help me is with drinking a cool glass of water. Um, is that normal? Uh, that's a that's a technique. Usually, we don't want people to choke because sometimes they'll right. they'll have trouble breathing, and and then when you're gasping for breath and drinking, it's kind of a bad combination. Right. But you know, whatever works for you, for right. sure. Well, good luck, Brooke. And we have one more call that's still on the line. We're going to Carolyn, who's calling from Houston, not Texas, but Mississippi. Good morning, Carolyn. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> that's important. It's important. Yeah, from the real Houston is where she's calling from, the Mississippi Houston. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for your program this morning. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice now, but 
smoke or do people smoke around you? Yes. Um, so that's what it is right there. You have what's called a Reinke's edema. It's a swelling of the vocal cords. It's specific to women who smoke. It sounds kind of weird, but um, if you've ever noticed a group of women who are older that smoke, you'll notice they have a very low-pitched voice. You can also almost tell. You don't know that they're what the problem is, but you know their voice is different, and that's kind of uh, characteristic of that problem. It usually takes six months after you stop smoking for it to heal itself, but it should heal itself completely all by itself. All right, that's good news. <laughs> Another all good right. reason not to smoke. Indeed. Well, good Absolutely. luck to you, Carolyn. At least now you know what you need to do to get those high notes back. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So really quickly, um, John, we're down to the last like minute or so, and we had talked a little bit, too, about this laryngitis concept. And so I just need to know, what antibiotics are the right antibiotics for laryngitis? <laughs> well, that's a trick question because actually no antibiotics are the right antibiotics. Laryngitis is not a bacterial disease. I know it's interesting. People think the first thing they need when any itis comes up, they should get back uh, antibiotics. But there are actually no primary infections of the larynx, believe it or not. The closest thing that comes to one was what we talked about earlier with the yeast growing on the larynx. That's the only primary infection, but you don't want to take antibiotics for that. That will make the problem worse. Laryngitis is really just swelling of the vocal cords, and when you get laryngitis with a cold or a flu, it's because of the mucus problem we talked about earlier and just general inflammation of your respiratory tree. So it's just pure edema or swelling, um, and it's not an actual bacterial uh, infection. Oh, that's good to know. So guys, no antibiotics for your laryngitis. And you hear the the theme music kicking in? Jay's going to put us out of here. So thank you guys so much for coming. This was a great show. Today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by Jay White. I think he also, oh, and our screen caller was Michelle McAdoo. Um, With Dr. Allie Brown, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens. Thanks so much for being with us. And join us next Friday at 11 a.m. for Southern Remedy for Women. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.